everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are really glad that you're joining us. You're catching us now in session five of what's going to end up being a six, six sessions on talking about the Holy Spirit. And in our first episode, we talked about who the Holy Spirit is, and we used the phrase, He is God, to describe the Holy Spirit, both emphasizing the personhood of Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit being a person rather than just a force, a he rather than an it, and that the Holy Spirit is God, the, having the full deity, the same as the Father and the Son. And so we talked a little bit about the Trinity, and we talked about why those things really matter, why it's important that we understand that the Holy Spirit is more than just a force and is fully God, and just both the benefits and the importance of that. So if you did not catch that, I encourage you to stop and just go back and catch up on this series because it's kind of building on it. Uh, we're kind of building week to week a little bit. And then in the second session, we just kind of talked about some of the things that the Holy Spirit does for us upon belief and some of these kind of immediate universal things that the Holy Spirit does for us. The, the seals us, puts a seal on us that helps guarantee that it guarantees that we will be with God forever, that baptizes and places each one of us into the body of Christ, fully indwells so the presence of God is in each one of us. And so that's what we did in the second session. And birthed out of that, me saying and that one of the things that the, the Holy Spirit does for us is to baptize all of us into the Spirit and into, into the body of Christ is what the, the baptism of the Spirit does. Kind of just kind of sparked what can be a very controversial issue amongst Christians which is what is the baptism of the spirit and are there miracle gifts that are supposed to um, that are that are supposed to manifest if you've been baptized in the spirit kind of this debate that goes on between evangelicals and and charismatics and so we spent it ended up being two sessions talking about that of just that we should not use this passage to divide us even though we have two very different perspectives on this issue, we should not use this passage to divide us, and we should not look and say that our experience is the one true experience, and this is the way that all Christians are supposed to behave or look or how their spirituality is supposed to manifest, when in fact the opposite of that is what Paul's trying to get across in that passage in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. So I tried to do a fair job of explaining kind of the charismatic perspective and just give a few responses to that about why I don't necessarily feel that that's fully theologically accurate without at all, hopefully, uh, denigrating or diminishing the experience that they have of the way that they're experiencing the Holy Spirit, but just maybe not so much of the universality of that, uh, that experience is supposed to be. And I did not make the case for the people who say that, 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 that the Holy that tongues and miracle gifts don't happen anymore. I did not make that case because I did not want to make it. It's to me, it is, it is, not, it is, it is, it's, I, I can't say it's a fringe idea. It's actually fairly common, but um, again, I, I didn't, I didn't feel the need to make that divisive case too often that, that some evangelicals can make because I think it is more important. It is never, it is not appropriate in this issue uh, to make it a dividing line between you don't, you not agreeing with me on this means that you are somehow theologically or personally less than, but instead tried to make the case for bringing both of these perspectives together to be a more robust body of Christ, because that is the point that Paul is trying to make in that passage when he's talking about spiritual gifts, 
And so now having solved fully in 50 minutes of two podcasts, having fully solved the issue of charismatics versus evangelicals on baptism of the spirit and speaking in tongues, we will move past that. And now just kind of look a little more broadly at what Paul, uh, the points that Paul is making about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. And it starts like this in first, verse 1 of chapter 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. It's like, it's, 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 a, very, it's a very important issue. It's like, man, we, before you guys were pagans and you kind of getting pulled in all sorts of different directions and being deceived and kind of what was and wasn't spiritual power and how spiritual power, power manifests itself and is there a best way and a right way. And so you got it pulled in all these different directions. It's like, I don't, I don't want you to be like that anymore. Verse four, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Again, that is the, the thesis idea of what, a little bit where we talked about the end of the last episode. And it, again, it is Paul's thesis point for everything else that he has to say. People are going to look a lot different. They're going to behave differently. They're going to have different gifts. They're going to express themselves in a lot of different ways, but it is the same God manifesting themselves in every one of them. And he backs that up again in verse seven when he says this, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. And so principle number one is we're thinking about spiritual gifts. Just go ahead and write this one down. But most likely you're not in a position to write it down. You are jogging or driving. Mentally write it down. Make it, I don't know. Anyways, whew. Uh, everybody has a spiritual gift. Everybody has a spiritual gift. Everyone does. There are not people who have not been given some manifestation of the Spirit in this way for the common good. Everyone has a spiritual gift. So if you believe that because somehow, you know, you're not, you don't have some sort of really demonstrative gift, whether again, whether you come from a charismatic background, I have some miraculous gift, or I don't have come from a different background and the real gifts are like the teaching types of gifts, the onstage kinds of gifts. You know, whatever it is you think, like, like people who have great gifts are, and you feel like you don't have one of those, and therefore it makes you feel like you don't have one, you're absolutely wrong. Paul makes it very, very clear. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And I think in that is a very important definition for what a spiritual gift is supposed to be. Because a spiritual gift is something that is given for the common good. It is something that the Spirit does in you. It is something He places inside of you with the purpose of it being used to bring good to everyone. So there'll be some experiences that you have with God that may be really enriching to you personally, that are really helpful to you, some, some manner of enlightenment or experience that you might have that might edify yourself. In fact, Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 14 as he's talking a little more in depth about tongues. And again, we looked at this verse last time. He says, someone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. So that, that, that's a really, it's not, it's not condemned as a bad thing to edify yourself, but he's highlighting that when we're talking about spiritual gifts, 
We're talking about things that build up the body of Christ, which is why he gave the nod in that instance between that to prophecy, because when you prophesy, when you speak truth to someone, it builds someone else up. It edifies someone else. And so tongues isn't really useful in the spiritual gift sense unless there's someone there to interpret so that then other people other than you can be edified by it. You can be edified by it personally because you're experiencing God in some way, but a spiritual gift is meant to be used in such a way that it, that it has a benefit for the common good. Let's, let's keep going right here because I, I, could t- I could talk about that forever and then we won't get to anything else. I should get to the other point. Verse eight, to one there is given through the, through the spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Okay, make another little few points here. We'll go back to our very first point that we made, right? This is something that is distributed to everyone, right? Everyone, everyone has spiritual gifts. Secondly, it is the spirit that determines what gifts you have. The spirit gives this to people. And so that eliminates a couple of different things that some people may put out there around spiritual gifts is that one that you can acquire a spiritual gift for yourself. Right? I mean, Paul talks about desiring gifts, but he doesn't talk about acquiring them. Ooh, that kind of rhymed. Maybe turn that into something. Anyways, you to, 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 to desire gifts, but it doesn't say that there's really any means that, that by which that if you do something, you can acquire it. Maybe you can pray and God will do it, but they doesn't, there's no guarantee of that because it is something, you know, how he says it, he distributes them to each one just as he determines, right? And so this is not something that you can, you, can just, you can just get. It's something that the Holy Spirit gives. And also, I believe what this eliminates is this idea that a spiritual gift is the same thing as a kind of an inherited or a learned skill. And there's lots of different examples of this that I, can, I could use, but I believe that there is a spiritual gift um, that comes from being able to lead and direct people into worship. And I will, I will talk about kind of what that means, kind of what, what, what I might give you my definition of spiritual gift here in just a second, but I want to make this point first, right? There, there, there's a spiritual gift of being able to lead people into worship. Um, and with that, there is very often musicianship that comes with that. But the ability to learn how to play an instrument and the discipline that it takes to learn to play that instrument well, the natural ability of having a great singing voice, that's just a different thing. These may be natural skills that are really helpful in manifesting the spiritual gift, but someone who is necessarily a great musician is not necessarily someone who has a spiritual gift of worship. And someone who has a spiritual gift of worship may not necessarily have the, the same level of talent of musicianship that someone else might have. I'm not saying that those two things, that if we drew a Venn diagram of this, that they would somehow, that, that the circles would be over here. I'm just saying that they're, they're, not, they're, they're, not, to, they're not together. They're not, they're not all the way separate, but they're not all the way together either. There's some overlap. And the same way with, um, 
with teaching gifts. I mean, you can you could be really skilled at explaining things to someone uh, before you become a Christian. You may be really good at you know teaching. I mean, I was really good at te- I've been good at teaching math to people my whole life. That's not the same thing as the spiritual gift of teaching. Again, very often. God will take a natural gift or talent and kind of manifest it into a spiritual gift. But again, I think it's important for us to understand it's not the same thing. It is not the same thing. It, it, it's, it's different. Again, there, there, I believe that there typically can be a connection between them, but a spiritual gift is something that the Spirit gives to somebody um, as, as believers, not, not a skill that is acquired. So what then is a spiritual gift? Because you can't, you can't, Charlie, kind of dancing around that, and you said some weird things there that I'm not sure I completely understood. I, I want again, I'm going to say this, and you may be like, okay, man, that's really cool, and that may be the end of it. But this is actually a bit of a hot take, a little bit. In order for something to be a spiritual gift, a spiritual gift has a spiritual effect. And so what I'm saying is, if here's how you can know if something is a spiritual gift for you. When you do it, are there good, positive, spiritual effects that happen in the lives of other people? Okay, so let me just use a, a couple of examples of this, right? Okay, we've, we've talked about this, the spiritual gift of teaching. There are plenty of people out there that say that they have the spiritual gift of teaching. And maybe they're good communicators. Some of them aren't, right? So, you know, some of them are. What is a spiritual gift of teaching? Well, it is when I teach, the spirit moves in the people who are listening. Not that you are a dynamic communicator, not that you enjoy being on stage, not that you enjoy teaching. Your enjoyment of it, 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 I don't want to say it's completely disconnected from that because you should enjoy using a spiritual gift. But just because you enjoy something doesn't mean it's a gift. Just because you like to do it doesn't mean it's a gift. It's a gift. You have the spiritual gift of teaching if the people in the audience have the ability to learn something from you And, and not just learn information, but when you teach, people are spiritually affected. Another gift that gets talked about is the spiritual gift of hospitality of welcoming and hosting people into your home, right? I like to have parties is not the same thing as the spiritual gift of hospitality. Um, when people come to your house, do they want to come back to your house? But maybe people come to your house once, they don't ever want to come back again. If you like hosting a party, but people don't like coming to your house, then you don't have spiritual gift of hospitality. When people come to your house, they want to come to your house. And because they were with you, hosted by you, in, in your home or in some other event that maybe you are planning, it is clear that the Spirit of God is moving there. Because of your use of your gift, God's Spirit did something in the lives of other people. And again, other people is incredibly important. Each one, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. You may feel great about it, and that's good. I'm glad you do. But if if the spiritual gift is found in the effect that it has when you do it, that's what makes something a spiritual gift. Uh, a, a really good math teacher may or may not have the spiritual gift of teaching. They have the skills required to do teaching, perhaps. Not the same thing as a spiritual gift. 
Um, here's an example I'll use. There's a spiritual gift of evangelism, of, of communicating the gospel to people who, who, don't, who don't yet know. And there was this summer, my wife and I, we've been married about a year. We spent about six weeks in Ukraine that summer. And we're on this team and we would go out and meet college students in this, this city in Ukraine. And we would talk to them about Jesus. And I would, and I, I believed this then and I believe it now. I'm actually a really good communicator. Uh, I can probably, exp- I feel like I can explain the gospel in as clear a way as anyone can. It's kind of who, who Jesus is and why it matters and sin and the, the power of Jesus' death on the cross and the importance of the resurrection and substitutionary atonement. I can explain it in deep ways. I can explain it in simple ways. I can communicate it very well. But I tell you, that whole summer, I would, I would talk to people and people really wouldn't, weren't particularly responsive to it. And I remember being out with this other girl that was on our team and she was the one that was talking to this college student. And I'm telling you, what she said didn't make any sense to me. I mean, like the way she was just talking about Jesus, the way she was talking about the cross. And, I, and not only did not make it, did not make any sense, but some of it was just weird. And some of it might even have been wrong. And, and she's talking, this is mostly through a translator and I, I couldn't necessarily, maybe the translator, I don't know what, the, maybe the translator was kind of picking up the slack here. I don't know. But when it was all over with, we asked her, Hey, she asked him, do you, would you feel like you would want to receive Christ? And this person said, yes. And me being who I was, even at, you know, this is who I still am now. And I was like that in maybe more so at 23, I will hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. When you say, like, what, what do you mean by this? And then this person who spoke some English begins to explain back to us what it means to become a Christian and what it means to believe and trust the gospel. And I'm telling you, this person explained the gospel one million times better than the person that I was with who was there to do this on a mission trip. And like I to this day, like what happened in that moment? We've got someone here who was a very poor communicator, but her very, through her very poor communication, brought someone to understand the gospel in a clearer way than it was expressed to them. That's a spiritual gift. That that is that is manifesting a spiritual gift of evangelism. And me, Mister Smooth Talker, who has perfect theology and fancies himself a really good communicator. I was not seeing those same sorts of things. And there's just something to that. There's just something to like, it's, it's, it's not the skill. It's, it's not your human ability to perform an act. It is what the spirit does when you do the thing. And so it is of incredible importance then to understand like, this is about what God is doing, what he's putting into me and how he's using me in the lives of others. So people want to know, how do I know what spiritual gift I have? Well, the answer to that question is, what are the things that you do that when you do, God shows up? And so, which leads me to my second hot take that again, for some of you, this may not even feel like a hot take to you at all. My second hot take is, I don't think that this list here in 1 Corinthians 12 is meant to be an exhaustive list of all of the spiritual gifts. Like, sure is not. There's other lists that Paul, that Paul has too. And there's one that Peter has, and there's all these different lists. And so then what we're supposed to do is just take these two or three different lists that have some overlap and have some difference and put all these things together. And then that makes the exhaustive list. And there's a couple of things where 
You know, Paul refers to, and he's really not talking about spiritual gifts. He talks about singleness being a spiritual gift. It's like we put that on the list. And so we take all the things that the Bible mentions and we call that, these are all the spiritual gifts. And I ask, it's like, is, is, is that it? Is that, are, do we have an exhaustive list of all the things that can be spiritual gifts? And my hot take is absolutely not. Is that there was never one of these lists that were meant to be exhaustive and us, our ability to compile everything that the New Testament says and say, these are all of the gifts and say, that's definitely all of them. That's just not what, that's just not what, that's just not what's happening. There's never an intent here to give an exhaustive list. It's not about a list. It's about the spirit gives to people. Let's just, again, let's just go back. Let's read it again. To each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. For you, the spirit has given you something that when you manifest it, he manifests it into you. And when you manifest it out into the lives of other people, it has a powerful spiritual effect on other people. And he gives some examples. And most of them, honestly, pretty broad wisdom, knowledge, faith. You know, he talks about love, talks about hope. Those are pretty broad things. I have the spiritual gift of hope. I have the spiritual gift of love. What does that mean? It means the spirit moves when you love. Like, I honestly believe this. I've seen it. I believe there is a spiritual gift of youth group. There is a spiritual gift of kids. Like you see these people and they can, can connect with teenagers or they can connect with kids and that kids are drawn to them. Teenagers are drawn to them and their lives change and you can just tell that God is doing something really cool. There's no youth group spiritual gift listed. It's like, oh, bro, that's just a category of the spiritual gift of love. Sure, 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 whatever. You got whatever you got to tell yourself. What I'm telling you is that there are certain people, I mean, the spiritual gift of car maintenance. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna help widows um, with their cars or people. I'm, 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 and, and I'm, gonna, and I can use this thing. And when, and when I do it, God does really cool things. There's lots of ways that God can use you, and when you do it, God shows up and does something good in the lives of other people. What is that thing? How is it connected to the skills that you have? They're different, but sometimes they can be similar. I would ask yourself, I would, I would stop trying to categorize yourself into these very narrow, this very narrow list of things. I would stop, and even though I've done this before, and I probably might again, I might would give you one of these things, take one of these you know, spiritual gift tests, because it can really can kind of help you think through experiences. But really, it comes down to where have there been times in your life when I did X, God did something really cool? And does that seem to happen often when you do that thing? That's your spiritual gift. And I promise you it's there. And say, well, how can I find it if it's not to take one of those uh, quizzes? Because the interesting thing about those uh, spiritual gift quizzes, right? On a scale of one to five, how would you agree with this statement? I like to teach, bro. I mean, it's not like, I mean, they're not double blind uh, scientific surveys. Give yourself a five and beep, bop, boop. At the end of this thing, you're going to have spiritual gift of teaching. When I teach, I really have a great time. And so do other people. Give yourself a five if you want to give the gift of teaching. How do you know get the gift of teaching? You get up there and teach. You teach and just somebody learn, right? It's, it's, do, it's in the doing. And so you get the spiritual gift. You show, how do I find your spiritual gift? Get out there and start serving. Get out there and interact with people. Ask your friends 
people that you interact with? Like, what are some ways that you see God using me in your life or in other people's lives? That's how we find out what our gifts are, not by stale written assessments. And so you got to get out there. Some of you may, there may be some people out there that have the gift of hospitality and you don't know it yet. You may have the gift of teaching and you don't know it yet. You may have the gift of really loving and connecting with kids really well and you don't know it yet because you haven't stepped out there. But you got to step out there. We learn things in motion. We don't learn things sitting down. So if you want to figure out how God can use you, then, then, then start. start. Start on a hospitality team at a church. Start in the nursery. Start in the youth group. Start by volunteering to lead the discussion one time at your small group. Start by getting in a small group and then interacting with the people in your small group and find out the ways that God uses you when you're just interacting with people. I think people, you know, I, I'm, I'm an encourager. There are plenty of people out there that, that say that, they got, that they're encouragers that discourage everyone around them. And there's plenty of people out there who think they have no spiritual gift in the world who are absolutely have the spiritual gift of encouragement. And getting out there with people, taking risks and learning how to share and to serve other people, asking good questions of people who know and love you, that's how you're going to find out what your spiritual gifts are. I'm tempted. I'm tempted to turn this into a part two, but I'm not. I have so much more. There's so much more about this. There's a richness. There's three chapters where Paul is talking about spiritual gifts. We didn't even really, we didn't even step one foot into the awesome illustration of the body of Christ, which we, and we talked about a little bit last time. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna keep moving forward. And so again, there there is a depth and a richness here of what it means to have spiritual gifts and how to use them. And if you've got more questions, you want to talk about this some more, let me know. We can we can probably come back to it. My guess is is that I'll get the itch at some point, and we'll just do a whole series just on spiritual gifts and kind of talk about this some more. But for now, we'll move on. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. And I really do hope I pray that you will find your gift and use it in really awesome ways to um, edify and strengthen the people around you. And thanks so much, everybody, for joining us. And if you're not a part of the Grove, man, we would love to know that you're listening. Go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect and let us know this kind of what's going on with you. And if you, we'd love to see you on a Sunday, you can come get all the information about our services, that website, grovechurch.org slash connect. Or if you're not local and you can't visit in that way, we'd love to, you can just join us on our stream. Either way, we'd love to connect with you, serve you, love you any way that we can. Again, I'm Charlie Lofton, lead pastor at The Grove, and thanks for joining us.